Welcome back to another episode of the wonderful Arsenio ZSL podcast, man. I'm up here, over here, standing, feeling real good about everything back in my condo. It's a beautiful Monday. I just hope everything and everyone is going well in the world. Uh, amidst all the, of course, chaos that is way out of our control. And just hoping for the best for <clears throat> so many different individuals out there who are going through persecution for the most outlandish reasons possible. But man, you have the opportunity to be listening to me again. Uh, uh, whether it's your first time listening to me, again, seeing the podcast plays. And by the time you are listening to this, you uh, I'm probably at 30,000 plays over the last 30 days. And I never in a million thought, <laughs> in a million years, I thought I would hit a 30,000 per 30 days average. That is insanity. And so... I don't know what it was, but, you know, there, there was a, a specific stint that had happened recently uh, with uh, having one of my, um, you know, my students achieve her TOEFL score. And then she ended up sharing my information in a Telegram group full of a lot of dentists. And then I got a bunch of follows. And I'm guessing a lot of those people ended up listening to my podcast. And now everything has turned up the way it has. So, Again, just want to be absolutely grateful of, uh, and just share that gratitude towards everyone. And with that being said, let's get on with it. So here we go. Let's talk about raising finance today. So people, when we talk about raising finance, it's a slippery slope. Meaning, it, it, you know, in America, you know, the, a lot of people search for these bullshit ass angel investors, these assholes in Silicon Valley right? Uh, to invest in their ideas, but yet they give them all the equity and everything. Now, the thing is when you're fully invested, but you're looking from it from a money center and it's always about startup, startup, money, 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 startup, startup, money, money, money. I'm just like, you know what? If you start with money and end with money, it's going to be a short-term victory. It's got to be about impact. It's got to be about helping individuals around the world. Like there's got to be a greater cause than, than just you. Right. And so when I look at my find out uh, my foundation, for example, I was teaching a girl. But again, out here in Thailand, you know, students, man, they're just they're so up and down. But I was teaching this girl who was uh, part of an NGO helping uh, the, the, the communities that are just complete in complete isolation and how Thai people look down on some of these communities, such as the Thai people. We're talking about the indigenous communities on the borders and stuff like that, <clears throat> who do not get adequate anything. And they're just shunned away from society and frowned upon in society, just as, of course, me living out here in Thailand, being a little bit on the brown side, being shunned away from society from 2013, even up to today, seeing the older individuals, of course, of the older mindsets, you know, give me those disgusting looks that they do, but they're actually giving themselves them those looks. Anyways, that's another discussion for another day. But when we look at this and how she gets money, she and her NGO was funded by IKEA. Uh, her NGO was funded by other American companies. So there are different ways that they could raise funds and people who raise funds for their foundation to hurry up and help with education and people who are in need. That's absolutely that like 1000% love it with my foundation. It's not so much about raising funds because again, I want to have a way where people have a QR for their funds. And when their funds are actually used, I want them to get an email or a text message directly sent to them saying, Hey, <clears throat> your money has been used and it was bought. It was used to buy this specific thing. 
right? Rather than just giving uh, you know money to these NGOs and then they go out like pencils of promise and they spend it on fucking gala conventions, which is so sick. But nonetheless, I'm so again when you're raising funds, small companies. Do you believe that small companies should borrow money because it, even though that the risk may be very high? Again, if you start a business on a loan, you're going to lose. That's all there is to it. You know, restaurant business is one of the hardest businesses because honestly, the profitability is next to nothing unless you really know what you're doing. Right. There are a lot of people who said, oh, you know, during the first uh, COVID wave about two years ago, they were like, well, uh, a, a good restaurant has probably just three weeks of cash on hand and that's it. And I'm like, what? Three weeks? That means you can't even survive for a month with the money that you make in terms of profits. Oh, my God. There's got to be something. And, and that's what, you know, me going to my favorite restaurant with one of my friends out here in Thailand. Uh, it's called Pinocchio Italian Restaurant in Mung Tong. Um, and when I go there, I always think, like, how much do you guys profit? Anytime, you know, the last couple of times I had gone there, there was no one there during a Friday night you know, on the evening, just us. And although our bill turns out to about 33 to $35, still I'm like, dude, but how much did you profit for the day? And what about your overhead? Although it's in a house, which is really good because they actually live there, is the profitability still high, you know? So again, people with that being said, should you borrow money? Well, borrow money means, uh, okay, are you going to pay it back? Okay, number one. Number two, you got to be very careful with interest. So out here in Thailand, you know, desperate people take desperate measures, right? They do desperate things. And a lot of news has come when people end up falling like into a crisis with money. They hurry up to go to these fake loan sharks. And these loan sharks are like, okay, well, the interest is 2% per day. What? Holy shit. You're up 60%. There's no way that you're going to be able to pay that back. They start threatening you with your, their life. Uh, your life, a lot of different things. So again, this is how the the super, the most uh, popular Netflix series in the world, Squid Game started out with this guy running from loan sharks who he had owed money to. You better take your lumps, take your hits. And if you don't have money, you better figure out a way and get creative because the moment you're in overhead and you're minus, forget about it. You're going to be in a world of hate. And I know that that might not might or might not be good advice for a lot of people out there saying, oh, but, you know, I needed this. But yeah. And to be honest with you, how are you going to get money to pay that one off? If you're at zero right now, at least you could you there's a way to go up. But when you're way in over your head and you're a thousand USD under and people are looking for, you know, their money back, you're in trouble. So it's better to be at zero than better to be at negative 100, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 in whatever currency you uh, you have. So in saying that, I got another question. Only very large companies should float on the stock exchange. It's a good question. Again, stock exchange, I'm not too familiar with it. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, you know, obviously how it works and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, if you look at Grab, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, they uh, posted a $1 billion in one quarter, if I'm not mistaken, or one financial year calendar loss, uh, stocks plummeted 40%. And I'm just like, yes, well, the thing is, stocks are up and down. So if you're a company and you go public, man, you better be careful. Number C, or letter C, financial decisions should be based on market decisions, not the size of the company. 
Oh, man, I don't know. I, you know what? Okay, I'm going to read that one more time. Financial decisions should be based on market decisions, not the size of the company. So I probably wouldn't agree with that based on the company that I give that. I'm, I'm actually getting ready to finish up. Thank God. Oh, my God. Listen, when you, when you uh, try teaching people who don't even want to learn and then next, oh, my God, it is so, bleh, you know, and with, with this Phuket trip. Coming up, and I do believe that this podcast is going to be debuting right before my Phuket trip. By the time I come back, that March 30th, if I'm not mistaken, is going to be the last day I train there. Give them the certificates, do whatever I have planned that day. And when it hits 3 p.m., <laughs> when it hits 3 p.m., <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> I'm too excited. But anyways, when it hits 3 p.m., I swear, I kid you not, I'm going to have alcohol in my bag when I go back to that airport, Lincoln. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate that. No, it's the end of a new beginning. It's the end of 120 hours done with doing a training at a company where the last 60 hours was just a hair pull. It was just me trying to survive. You know what I mean? And when that company finally finishes, I'm going to jump hooray and celebrate me. I finally finished a 120-hour project by myself. As bad as it went in the latter half and me never having to go back or all those other negative things, I finished a 120-hour project. And from now on, I'm never going to have another 120-hour project with any company. It's going to be short and concise. We're talking 30, no more than 50. Because when it's that long and you end up having a problem probably around the 70-hour, 80-hour and the communication completely falls and people end up being assholes, you're stuck doing that. And so I'm so grateful because, man, this is the turning point. This is the end. Going in there, just banging out these last X amount of hours that I have, 24 hours total. Oh, my God. And then right after that, celebrate like hell. But let's focus on this company. Now, they don't care about market conditions. They don't care about COVID conditions. They care about, hey, supply and demand. Is it really working right now? No. They had 800 people as of November, and now they're up to 1,000. It becomes increasingly difficult, the demand of different things and furniture and all that stuff. There are a lot of other things that they have to do on a routine basis, and it's very, very difficult. So if we look at, you know, you know, them saying, okay, well, we're going to financial decisions are going to be made on the market conditions. If that was the case, everybody would fail because of COVID, Right. It's all about the size of the company or maybe on the demand. I believe financial situations should be met on the demand, right? And so I was listening to Brendan Bouchard the other day, and he was like, you know what? You need to be unique and don't dive into markets where the demand, is like there, there are just too many people. So I was thinking about doing like IELTS. And then I realized that my IELTS podcast from 2020 and stuff like that, I just, I don't want to dive into that market because it's too saturated with too many fake IELTS folks like on YouTube and stuff like that. It's too much of a vast market. And I'd be getting into a market that just really, it's too saturated with too many people. That's why I did TOEFL because I am the number one TOEFL, right? TOEIC, there aren't that many TOEIC, you know, channels, different things out there. Here in Thailand, yes, but Thailand is not my market, right? And so financial situations need to be based on the demand. If I do a podcast, and the podcast doesn't hit, 
or that's why I stopped doing international guest speakers because I realized those podcasts didn't score as much, you know, as many plays as the TOEFL, IBT, and especially the ITP podcast. Yes, I still do business English because that is what this podcast is predicated on. So regardless, if people are listening to TOEFL, they're going to ultimately listen to me after they end up learning TOEFL. Does that make sense? So what you need to do is make sure that you're not <clears throat> basing your financial or your finances off like fad markets, I meaning markets that come and go like Bitcoin. Bitcoin podcasts and everything had completely blown up back in 2018. 2019, everything just fell apart. And then that was the end of Bitcoin. You know, and although, yes, Bitcoin goes up, down, up, down, up, down, but you don't hear financial news. You really can't predict Bitcoin whatsoever. You know, and now that there are just so many young folks into the Bitcoin game, scamming the hell out of their followers on YouTube, or I'm sorry, not on YouTube, on Twitter, it's just far worse. So I don't know where I'm going with this, okay? But what I'm trying to say here is supply and demand. Wherever the demand is, you do it. Right now here in Thailand, building up, starting up a business like a cafe, it's an oversaturated market. And to be honest with you, the only way that you're going to get people into your cafe is based on if you're picturesque. Because Thai people, they love taking pictures. They love IG. They love their phones. They love posing. They love getting likes on their phone, like a lot of people do. But Thai, Thai people specifically love cafes. So you aren't going to go into a cafe and say, okay, I'm going to go to this cafe for the coffee or for the cake. No, here in Thailand, it's like, I'm going to go to the cafe to take photos. All right. And unfortunately, these net idols and these big time high so folks out here in Thailand, they go to the cafe, don't even buy anything, take the photos and they hurry up and leave. Very, very disappointed individuals. But nonetheless, let's dive into this. Now, remember last in the last podcast, we talked about Polini's, right? And Polini ended up deciding. Okay. And again, if we look at this first, they only had one factory right? With 425 coffee shops across Europe. And they wanted to expand their business by about 25%. So what were some different, what are, what would be some different ways that they could expand, right? And then they also decided to take over a smaller competitor. So they would have to ultimately figure out how to finance a deal. And I'm going to give you four ways in terms of how they could finance corporate finance options. Now, understand that there are a lot of different types, okay? And to be honest with you, man, it's almost an endless list of different types of way that you could, like, you could, different types of ways that you could finance. But there are limited ways in which a company can raise money for new projects. So if we look at A, B, C, and D, what I have here is a breakdown, okay? So with this breakdown, let's first go into... Oh, this is going to be a lot, okay? This might go a little bit over your head, but it's all good. Now, using existing assets, all right? This could mean using cash or bank or possibly selling off some fixed assets to raise money. This probably isn't a growth strategy as it reduces the operating capacity of the business, right? As well as the net worth. However, reducing cash reserves could be regretted. Okay, if the company then has unexpected cash flow problems, so there's a this and then there's a this. 
There's like, here's the benefit, here's the drawback, right? So if you're a company or if you work for a company where there are consistent cash flow problems, having this type of option, okay, using the existing assets is probably not good. Then there's equity finance. Now, if possible, the company could issue shares and sell more equity. Now, this is a debt-free way of raising money. Debt-free way. That is a very important term because a lot of people and these angel investors and them selling off to these horrible ass sharks who really don't give a damn about them or their project, they're just looking to hurry up and get some money and that's it. But they're literally going and like diving into a business with someone who really doesn't give a damn, right? So this is a debt-free way of going about raising money. However, this does mean that the current owners have to sacrifice ownership and some rights to profits, which can be very controversial. I don't know if you guys know of the uh, that stupid uh, show called Shark Tank. You see just how maniacal and how ugly and deviant some of these individuals are who are billionaires and who have made hundreds of millions of dollars. Because if you look at their faces and they're sitting down on their couches and they have those stern faces and they're so rude. And I mean, I don't, I, I really, I think it's amazing how a lot of people end up saying, yes, I would love to do business with you. I'm going to raise this, but guess what? You're going to end up having to sell like 10, 20, even 30% of ownership, or they're going to ask you for this and ask you for that. That could be very controversial. You know what? That show is trash. And it's because the majority of those people who do say, okay, I would like to do work with you, Mark Cuban. That whole thing goes right out the window because, again, Mark Cuban was a dickhead to begin with. So you got to be very careful. Like I said, people have to be in alignment with the dream. And the thing is, a lot of people are not about that. They're more about their own profits. So, C, you got operating profits. If the company is profitable, you can retain profits and reinvest them. Now, this is the best way to grow, okay, because it doesn't require debt or the loss of any assets and especially ownership. However, those profits from any one year may be too small to fund new projects and the company may need to wait several years to get the money required. Still a pretty decent way of going about doing it. And then the last one is debt finance. So companies, they have a tendency and can borrow from banks and other lenders. Very, very dangerous. Now, obviously this is an attractive way to fund projects as it provides access to large sources of finance quickly. However, the debt must be serviced meaning you're going to have to make regular repayments, all right? And guess what? That could put a strain on what? Company cash flow. In addition to that, debt must be held as a liability on the balance sheet, increasing the leverage of the company and reducing its attractiveness to investors. Shit, me? I'm like, man, I don't even need an investor. I was actually having a conversation over this past weekend whilst I was going to go buy uh, some fish because I have a beautiful fish tank at home. And, you know, I was like, I'm very fortunate because I have a number of different, uh, and, you know, I'm getting my, uh, my website and everything uh, squared away. And I'm super grateful that I don't have people in my life or I don't have to like look for investors or like go to the bank and, one of my students was telling me, he was like, oh yeah, the problem is with a lot of Northeastern farmers, because they're not financially educated, they go straight to the bank, get a loan, and they can't pay that loan back after they start up a farm. 
You see what I mean? It's kind of like a lot of Thai people who literally get a car because they just want to look the part. You know, they want to show that they have money, but they really don't. You know, I've actually had discussions and with one of my friends, and I was like, hey, listen, in America, if you see a Mercedes Benz, you're like, doctor, lawyer. You know what I mean? If you see a Lamborghini, you're like famous. You know, but here in Thailand, when you see a BMW, a Porsche, or any of those cars, which come probably 30 times more than what I've ever seen in Las Vegas, you're like, corruption, mafia, corrupted cop, corrupted official. There's so many different things, right? So what I'm trying to say here is do not literally get something that you don't even have money for. A lot of these people who are driving these Mercedes-Benz, they don't even have money. Guys, there are Mercedes-Benz parked at the bottom of this condo. You want to know how much this condo probably costs? Oh my God. This condo that I live in, I believe that it costs maybe, oh my God, probably about three, four million, if I'm not mistaken. It could be a slightly more. It could be slightly more. Do you want to know how much the Mercedes-Benz downstairs actually cost $5 million? And I'm talking about bot. So if your car costs more than where you live, this is the Thai way of doing things. They are willing to invest in their own debt to show people who really don't give a damn about them that they, oh, yeah, I do have money, but yet they're in debt and they're living in a condo that's not even 70% of what their car is. There it is. I said it. I said it. You know, next year, because I'm going to be doing work, family, so many different things. Uh, I'm going to be obviously getting a car. Now, this is for interprovincial travel and for security and a couple of other things, because I know I'm going to be living on the outskirts of town and who knows what's going to be happening. But would I ever drive into Bangkok? No way. Absolutely not. If they say, hey, let's meet in Sukhumvit, I'm always going to take the train. Always. Because it's a waste of time driving anywhere on the streets within the inner cities because the traffic is absolutely atrocious. One of my students, and I'm going to top this off right now, and I'm going off the beaten path like I normally do. But he is one of the auditing executives for BBL, as a matter of fact, Bangkok Bank out here. And I used to, you know, train them in corporate finance from 2017 to 2020. And he lives actually right up the street from me at a place called Phi Chai. Phi Chai ended up opening an, um, an MRT station that was very convenient for him to get into the bank, with, like to his job area. And I remember I said, oh, man, you, you can take the BTS now. You don't have to like drive two and a half hours in like eight kilometers anymore, which is literally four miles. Can you imagine two and a half miles? I'm sorry, two and a half hours in just four kilometer like four miles okay for my americans out there and i got hit on the shoulder and this lady was like oh don't say that and i'm like why she's like no they're higher position here they would never take the train and i said get off your fucking high horse you egotistical maniacal freaks you are contributing to the overall greenhouse gases and the overall Uh, what is it, cancer cases in this country by putting cars on the road that you don't even need. And you know what's even better? Fuel prices, they're surging right now based on the war that's happening in Europe. And that's a good thing for Thailand because now I'm like, it's really going to start burning your pockets. You're going to be forced to take alternate modes of transportation or at least carpool. And so with that being said, people, you got to be very, very careful 
and very understanding of different ways of businesses and money and assets and liabilities, your balance sheet in general, because if not, you end up falling right off and you're going to be way in over your head like a lot of people are. And then that's going to be the end. So in the next wonderful podcast, we're going to be giving, uh, we're going to be listening to Polini's management, discussing different sources of finance, and then we're going to go from there. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another corporate finance podcast. I'm your host as always, over and out.